1: Welcome to the first 1620 The Jays podcast of the 2023-2024 school year. I'm Josh Peterson. Appreciate you joining us for our second season of the podcast over the next handful of months. Myself, John Bishop, Connor Happer, we'll have interviews with coaches and players across the sports at Creighton University. We'll also have conversations amongst ourselves about the various sports that we are watching and covering. And we have a great podcast for you today, the school year is here, and we have three coaches to preview some upcoming seasons as well as talk about some big picture things going on in their sports. In that case, Kirsten Bernthal Booth will join us. She stopped by with John and I on Sportsmanlike iconic recently to talk about the professional volleyball league that is coming to the United States as well as a team coming into Omaha. Also, we talked a little bit about the upcoming school year, plus, I had a conversation to chat, well, you know what I like? Running with the head coach of the Creighton cross country team, Chris Cannon. He joined me to preview the upcoming school year, talk about recruiting and a whole lot more. And finally, Johnny Torres, as he enters his third season as head coach of the Creighton men's soccer program, He joins Connor Happer after an incredible 2022 season, and they talk a little bit about the 2023 campaign. Thanks again for joining us for another year of the 1620 The Jays podcast. Please do subscribe wherever you download your podcast, and throw in a rating and review as well and help spread the word. Here's that conversation that John Bishop and I had on Unsportsmanlike Conduct with Kirsten bernthal Booth.
0: Big news yesterday in the volleyball world right here in town as the new professional volleyball franchise for Omaha has announced that they are going to be playing their matches at CHI Health Center and former Husker Administrator Diane Mendenhall is going to be the team president. We thought we would catch up with one of our favorite guests, Creighton Volleyball coach Kirsten Bernthal Booth, who's very excited about the prospects of professional volleyball coming to Omaha. Coach, thanks for coming on. Yeah, excited to be here. How does pro volleyball help grow the game in this country?
2: Well, I think the the more of a sport that people love, the more people get into it, right? And I, you know, we've got this huge demographic just sitting there in men, right, that don't play a lot of volleyball. So the more volleyball, you know, there's that demographic going. Um, You know, the bigger thing for me is opportunity, you know, that uh, little boys have lots of different places that they can dream about professional athletics while little girls really their their pinnacle is high school and college sports for the most part obviously the D- WNBA has has created some some paths and you know there's some other sports that have some professional it's usually individual sports but um you know we don't have professional volleyball that's been able to get traction we don't have professional softball that's been able to get traction professional hockey you know women play all these sports and we just watch the men. So um, I think we I mean, Nebraska, what they're what the state of Nebraska has done is vol- in volleyball is is really remarkable. I mean, a testament of what they're doing at Memorial Stadium this fall. So we have the fan base. Um, so it's a, it's it's a great match to have professional volleyball uh, have one of the franchises here in Omaha.
1: Coach, you mentioned the WNBA and we we spent some time yesterday talking about that and how they've obviously had the backing of the NBA. And even then, they've still been fighting for things. John brought up charter flights yesterday, for example. When when you think of the support that this league is going to need, especially in the early stages, what kind of comes to mind for you?
2: Well, I think this is why it's a little bit different. And I, I don't want to act like I'm a uh, that I know a ton about our past professional league. So if I if I say things incorrect, it's not because I'm trying to spread misinformation. But my understanding is past professional volleyball leagues maybe have one big funder and, you know, sustaining that around the country is just, you know, so expensive. This league has franchise owners that are funding it. You know, uh, Danny White. Uh, Jason Derulo, my understanding, that's the primary funders, you know, their, uh, their group here in Omaha. So that's the case all around the country. So I think you have more financial backing, because it, it can't be a one and done type of thing. It doesn't, you know, you don't build it immediately, It, it grows, the energy goes, it's like building a program, you know, you don't, you don't turn things around right away. And so I think, what I hope and what I sense is that they have more financial backing so they can sustain this for multiple years so that it can continue to grow to get to that point that, you know, it's, it's big time and it's packed and, you know, all the things that we dream about.
0: Creighton volleyball coach, Kirsten Bernthal booth, joining us here on, on sportsmanlike conduct. Can it be an advantage to say in your recruiting pitch that one of the franchises is playing literally blocks away from campus?
2: Sure. I think absolutely, especially because we don't go head to head with it. Um, That's definitely not my motive. Uh, My motive is that I want to build the sport and I want my players to have opportunities to play in the U.S. if they don't want to go to Europe or or Asia, you know, so those are, those are kind of my motivations, but, you know, having great volleyball in the area, I think, you know, there's no, and the other thing is we're bringing in great coaches and great players. So what an opportunity for our staff to learn. Right. So, you know, I'm a coach Collier is a phenomenal coach and a phenomenal person. And, you know, there's no doubt that, you know, I've plan to learn from him. And we've already built a really good relationship. And you talked about Diane Mendenhall. I mean, she's a great volleyball mind and so many other things. I mean, they've really hired well. So that also gives me a lot of optimism of the future.
1: Coach, you mentioned you know, the, some of the foreign leagues. It's funny. I was talking to somebody earlier this week who played volleyball for the Mavericks. And as she was coming out of college, she was thinking about what's next. And she was kind of down to an internship that could lead to a job potentially or going overseas. And while she weighed both of those options very, very well, ultimately she did decide to stay stateside because of just the growth opportunities. Like, I guess, how, how important is that going to be that there is now this opportunity to stay in this country if you're going to want to continue on At the professional level.
2: Yeah. It it allows them to kind of get the best of both worlds because it's a four month term. They can still maybe start in their careers a little bit, uh, train. And, you know, if they find something that's a little bit flexible, maybe it's coaching, you know, things along those lines. The fact is, you know, some people are cut out to go live abroad, but a lot of people aren't. Right. And, uh, you know, and that's not a knock on anybody that says, you know, I I prefer to stay around my friends and family. So, you know, I think that's the big opening here is that there's so many talented athletes that have the ability to play at at a higher level than even division one college level. And they kind of stop their career because maybe they just don't want to. I mean, I, I think our team is a perfect example. You know, Jaylee Winters, Loves living abroad. She's been over there since she graduated in 18. You know, that's she loves it. But I've had several players over the years go for short amount of time. And they're like, it's just it's so isolating. I, you know, there's only one other American on the team. You know the you know the amenities we get at division one level are far higher than what they're getting at the professional level so um I definitely have had Kelly gox spent like two years in Albania she loved it so there's there's the players that really embrace and love it and then there's just some that don't and I just think it gives another great option um and it, and again I always go back to if Europe can do it why can't we sustain this right, right. like there's no reason Um, why we can't build this and make it a place for people to come and take their families and have a great evening.
0: Great. It's Kirsten Bernthal Booth joining us. Um, You know, you mentioned growing the game. ABC is going to televise the national championship match this December. Uh, You're going to be spending a term as the Volleyball Coaches Association president starting next year. You know, you have been very forefront in trying to grow this sport and make it more popular and make it more accessible to the public. What do you see as, you know, the next issue um, that, that needs to be resolved to kind of, you know, get volleyball another step further? Obviously, the ABC decision is very important. We've seen what it's happened to the women's basketball game by getting on network TV. But is there something else that kind of st- sticks in your craw and says, we've got to get past this so we can move this game forward?
2: Well, if you know me, there's always things that stick in my craw, John. But um, <laughs> I think... No. So here's the deal. We are trending in a great trajectory and people are excited from network executives to, you know, the growth of volleyball around the country. So I want to start with our trajectory in a lot of different areas is is awesome. So an example is in the NCAA tournament tournament um they used to only seed 16 teams and it was based pretty much on proximity after that well we moved to 32 teams last year um that was that was huge right so that someone i mean it was the the adage was every team that lived by penn state within driving range had to go to Penn State every year, especially when Penn State was such a juggernaut that the same teams would lose every year. So expanding to seeding 32, well, guess what? We wanna expand and seed to 64. You know, there's things like that, that we've made some great strides. We wanna continue to, to push the envelope. The TV thing is a great example. Being on ABC, we're thrilled about that, right? It's huge, um, it'll open our, uh, our sport up to people that just you know, kind of peruse through the television and see volleyball. Um, we'd like more shows leading up. I mean, the example of women's basketball this year they they televised every single game and the of their tournament on network television. Well, think of that runway as you get to the final floor. That was like three weeks of excitement. You guys talked. I mean, and they had they keyed on some on some players. Yep. Kate Park story. You know, pick their pick your kids. Uh, and and we need that in volleyball. People want human interest stories. So so thrilled to be on television. We want some airing prior. Get people excited about it. Our first our first weekend is not on network television. We need that to be on network television. And I don't say that to great because I I do want people to hear we are ESPN has been fantastic to work with. They are seeing volleyball and the growth it's making. And I say this over and over, we're not standing on anyone's back. Like volleyball has had to do this on its own it's not because there's a male counterpart that's bringing us along and getting us these opportunities it's the fact that network people are saying whoa there are a lot of people in this country that are falling in love with volleyball it's filling up stadiums people are watching it on tv the big 10 really leaned into volleyball last year guess what i i believe behind football men's basketball I, i i can't remember if we surpassed wrestling i don't want to misquote but my point being. We, you know, outdid what they anticipated and they're like, okay, we're going to lean in. So now you're seeing others kind of follow that course. And um, it's an exciting time. We're always going to be pushing the envelope. Um, But uh, a lot of things are trending in the right direction.
1: Yeah, and if you coach, if you think about it like a TV show, you wouldn't just have a bunch of episodes that are airing in random time slots or on the internet, and then suddenly it's like, hey, here's the season finale. It's on network TV. Well, I, I'm disappointed. The ratings weren't as high. Well, yeah, because you need the you need the lead up, you need the build up to the story.
2: You got it. And I think I I didn't understand that until I've been in these meetings. Right you you get excited. You you hear about a player that's maybe gone through some adversity or whatever. And all of a sudden, you're I, I want to watch that player or a team that's done that Cinderella story, getting the backstory leads to pe- to people watching. And so we're really pushing that. They understand that. And uh, that's a goal for, you know, some things that we're trying to work on in the future.
0: Great. It's Kirsten Bernthal booth, your team just got back from Europe last month. Nora Sis spent time with team USA again, had a really good run there Just discuss how those things help a team. Normally you don't get a chance to practice as early as you did, but having that experience, how much does that help you, especially with new kids coming in as you get ready for a new season in a month?
2: Yeah, it's it's huge. Uh, We have seven newcomers. Six of our newcomers got to come with us on the trip. One was still finishing school, um, so she couldn't come. She was kind of she was a late transfer. Um, So six players. So think of that. You know, we have such a short preseason. I mean, it is two weeks. We're playing in the fall. So that many, you know, a third of your team being new you're putting in systems, I mean, so that we're using the same terminology, things that are important to your philosophy, let alone some fundamental skill stuff. So we pounded all that stuff out um, during that eight day period. We really grinded them pretty hard over that. So you can train 10 days prior to going to Europe or going on a foreign tour. So that's, so we grinded them pretty hard, uh, went two a days most of that time um, with the idea that when we went to Europe, that was our number one priority was team bonding. Our second priority was cultural experience. Our third priority was volleyball. And, and I'm not saying they all weren't important, but I, I really, you know, this is me as a coach. I really lean into, you know, their growth as humans. So I wanted us to make sure that we really dove into these cities and, and got that, you know, uh, cultural experience. I just think that's part of the growth process of being a college athlete. They're not professional athletes, they're college athletes. And that's really important to me. And then Nora, yeah, she gosh, she debated cause she missed most of our training, uh, prior to Europe to go to the USA team. But, um, you know, she's, she wanted to be two places at once. She said, I'm having FOMO, <laughs> When when she was in Mexico, she's like, I have FOMO not being here. And then I know if she had if she'd been here, she would have had FOMO in Mexico. But Nora's I love this story about Nora, which epitomizes her right as she was making the decision on what she was going to do. And and I said, Nora, you I'm great with either of them. They're both awesome opportunities. And she said, So are you gonna do two-a-days during before we go to Europe? And I was like, Yeah, we're gonna do two-a-days. Now, most players don't love two-a-days, right? It's quite <laughs> a grind. And she's like, oh, that's my favorite part of season is two a day. So (laughs) you love when when one of your best players loves the game that much. So that was a perfect example of the type of person that Norris is. Uh,
0: Josh, would you translate? Did you say FOMO? Fear of missing (laughs) out. Thank you, Josh. OK, yeah, I I'm, I don't I don't I don't I don't speak your language. I don't understand.
2: I am pretty young and hip. So there you go.
0: <laughs> Josh will attest. I am not. Yeah,
1: same. Uh, Coach, you mentioned just the number of newcomers. Like, is there a way to to kind of bridge that gap like a cheat code, if you will, I guess, of leaning on some of the veterans to to help those players along? So when practice does begin, you can maybe hit the ground running a little bit faster than you would like, given the number of new players.
2: We didn't do that as much since they were arriving in May, literally some of the freshmen graduated, had graduation on Sunday and arrived to campus on Monday. Now we do do that on a normal year when they arrive in the summer and that's going on right now, uh, for instance, with the transfer that didn't go with us because we can't work with them in the summer. It's different than men's and women's basketball, why they can. Um, so we, yes, we try to make sure that our our returners, you know, get them familiar with our sets, our tempo, things along those lines. I think the bigger thing that we really lean into is trying to make them feel welcomed. You know, uh, you know, I have no inside knowledge on the Northwestern situation with football. Um, but there is, you know, we see this in so many areas of our culture of I went through something tough. I, I now perceive it as it was a great thing that I went through. And so I'm going to do it to somebody else. Right. We see this not only in sport, we see it in a lot of different areas and, when I got to Creighton, that was they did that. And I I could get my head around it for a little while in the sense of like, oh, well, it's supposed to be fun. And then I had someone talk to me and say, no, this isn't this isn't fun. Making them feel lousy is not fun. Um, so we flipped that. I mean, it happened one year and we flipped it. And so it's a really big goal within our program. And it has been for over a decade that. Our job as servant leaders is to make them feel comfortable, to welcome them, to love them, to remember how nervous you were as a freshman and how you would want to be treated. So that's what we spend a lot of time on the summer, that they know that they're loved. I mean, because sometimes freshmen come in and make immediate impacts. If they don't feel loved, they're not going to take risks at big moments. They're not going to play to their full capability. So that's a big priority of what we're doing in the summer.
0: Great perspective. Kirsten Mm -hmm. Bernthal-Booth, I know you're uh, taking a little time out from uh, camp to join us here, so we really appreciate the time. Thanks a lot. And we are literally a month away. I mean, August the 19th is the first regular season match, and we'll again have matches this season on our sister station, 1180 The Zone. Really looking forward to it. Coach, appreciate the time. Thanks. Have a great weekend.
1: Thanks, guys. That was a really fun discussion with Coach Booth in the middle of July. Well, You know me, I am a huge fan of running and it was my pleasure to have a chance to talk with Chris Gannon, the head coach of the Creighton Cross Country Programs, both the men and the women. I wanted to dive into some of the nitty gritty stuff, talked about recruiting, what does he look for with runners? Also, I had to get in a question about Strava, a very popular social media app to keep tabs on people that are running and how he approaches that. All that and more right here with the Creighton cross-country coach, Chris Gannon. Nice to have another season of 1620 The Jays podcast back, and uh, we begin, of course, as as I always want to do. I'm talking running. We have Chris Gannon on, sixth year as head coach of the Creighton cross-country programs. Coach, thanks so much for joining us on the first episode of the school year. Thanks,
3: Josh. Uh, looking forward to another year around here with you guys uh, doing a great job promoting us, but also just uh, the season ahead. Um, looking forward to, you know, what 2023 brings.
1: It's crazy. Uh, we're recording at the beginning of August right now, less than a month until the uh, regular season begins. What is your feeling like as the calendar reaches this point? And I guess, how has that changed for you over the last few years?
3: uh i would say right now i'm just anxious to be honest with you uh there's a lot of you know unlike basketball or even unlike volleyball you know um we don't get to have contact with our kids over the summer for the most part uh there's there's ways that like a small group could request individual coaching during the summer but there's no practices there's no nothing uh we can't even take a look at our athletes you know what they've been doing unless they specifically request us to look at a workout or something Uh, so it's a lot of it's pretty hands-off so yeah right now i'm anxious um we've got a great group of returners a really good group of incoming freshmen both the men's women's side so i'm excited um i would say the biggest change is is that probably you know five or six years ago i was it was more nervous than anxious right now you know just kind of getting into it those first couple years and um, you know, working to build the program up and, you know, we've accomplished a lot. And so, yeah, on paper, things look really good this year, you know, if we can keep healthy and, you know, continue our trajectory that we've had uh, it should be a fun season.
1: I wanted to ask you about out of season coaching and what that is like. Is it something where, you know, that last kind of full contact period, you give them kind of a program, individualized programs. Like what does that look like for you? Given again, the rules prevent a lot of that, you know, out of season coaching individually.
3: Yeah, our returners have a pretty good idea of what things should look like during the summer. We do, uh, just kind of like you mentioned there. Since we don't get to to coach during the summer, um, we give an a outline of what we think uh, concept should look like, you know, for the months of June and Ju- July primarily and into the first part of August. Um, we don't really do any workouts, I would say. Um, you know, they're hitting the weight room, getting stronger. Uh, you know, we, we, always have these core concepts. Hey, we need to sprint once a week. Uh, we need to have one long run a week. Uh, we need to do something medium paced once a week. And then the rest of the things during the summer should be pretty easy. You know, our, our biggest goal, which we talk about all the time is to be healthy on August 15th. That's gotta be the big goal. Uh, because if we're not healthy on August 15th, it's, it's going to be a struggle. And so, you know, I'd rather have us be 80% fit and 100% healthy on August 15th. So that's the goal.
1: So do you find yourself, uh, instead of saying, hey, run more, please, do you find yourself saying, hey, please dial things back a little bit, whether it's in effort or in mileage that, that the runners are doing on a weekly basis?
3: uh yeah we had to have that conversation with a few people this summer like hey chill, <laughs> chill it's uh it's june 15th uh we don't need to be running uh 455 tempos uh that's not where we're, we're at right now um and so you know th- that's uh, uh as part of it you know at the same time i really encourage our athletes to be you know young adults i, I literally think a third to half of our team went to a foreign country this summer with a family or a vacation or a mission trip or friends or whatever. And, and I'm like, yes, go do that. You're only 20 years old with no family and no real job and no responsibilities for a very short period of time in your life. Uh, and so, you know, somebody's like, Oh, I'm going to Italy for two weeks. Cool. Go, go to Italy. Have fun. Like that. That's this cannot be the most important part of our life. And so for our athletes to still go have those experiences, the thing is they come back from that and they're mentally, physically refreshed and, you know, if they lost four runs or six runs or even 10 runs while they were gone. Oh, so be it. Um, They're, they're in a good place to get back at it. So it's a really unique situation. Yeah, for sure.
1: Very cool. Uh, You mentioned the newcomers. Tell me, tell me about what excites you about this new group of runners you got.
3: Ah, yeah. I don't even know where to start. I was, uh, you know we knew all along that we'd put together a really really good recruiting class uh coach fares took over officially as our recruiting coordinator a year ago um he'd been you know helping me with those things in the past few years that he'd been here but um he he took it over full fledged last fall was his first full year with it uh, and he absolutely just killed it uh to be honest um we have three ladies joining the team and you know, five guys uh, and we knew like they were, they were good. And then I was rewriting up all their profiles to send to Rob Anderson for our press release here a few weeks ago. And I was just like, Holy smokes, th- this class coming in like w- fastest class in school history. I mean, it, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, you know, quite honestly, like it's, this is a crazy stat, but like the quote unquote, the slowest guy coming in would have been the fastest guy in, in any other class in school history other than, singularly Ryan Montero two years ago coming in. So the slowest guy coming in right now uh is nine nineteen for two miles. Uh <laughs> and you know that's that's pretty awesome. So um you know, there's just a great group. Uh, we did, you know, a phenomenal job of putting together a good balance on both the men's and women's side for, for some mid distance as well as some, some long distance kids. I I think that any one of those kids can, can probably drop in and, and contribute right away of day one, especially the three ladies and, uh, three distance based guys. We have two guys coming in that are, uh, one's actually a 400 meter hurdler out of Iowa. Um, He's a top 30 in the entire country. We're really fortunate to snag our quad call our first long sprinter for track and Logan Piper. And then uh, Ryan Hendrickson is going to, we'll have him run one cross country race, but uh, he's going to be 400, 800 guy first as well. And then Tommy Murray's coming in out of Illinois. Tommy uh, lost one race all year um, in Illinois, Uh, big, uh, big premier race. That's the only race Tommy lost all year. Um, and we have Evan Kraus coming in from Colorado. Uh, Evan, uh, was a top 10 cross country time in Colorado state history, which is pretty incredible. Uh, he went sub 15 in Colorado last year. Woo. And then, yeah, pretty quick, pretty quick. Uh, Evan, yeah. had, Evan this spring was actually the mile split high school and nationally, a national athlete of the week one week as well. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, Blair Patochic kind of fell into our lap. Uh, we had, we had, were quote unquote done recruiting. And I was talking to his high school coach cause we had signed a Scarlett Pearlman from the same high school in Kansas and his high school coach was like, Hey, where are you on the guys recruiting class? And I'm like, Oh, we're done. We've been done since January. You know, what if I told you I had a kid with X times and Y GPA and, you know, QACT?" And then I go, then we need to have a conversation. And, uh, so, it was awesome. So, yeah, Blair fell into our lap in one way or another, I guess, if you will. We got super lucky. Uh, great kid out of, uh, out of Kansas. Uh, we found him at the KU Relays. He was the KU Relays champion there. And I mentioned Scarlett Pearlman was his teammate down in Kansas. Uh, she ran really well at the state meet, meet uh, this summer. And then Taylor Rorick, uh, complete stud out of Colorado as well on the ladies' side. Uh, and then uh, Claire Pine is coming in from Illinois for us uh she unfortunately was injured uh, much of her senior year but she ran really quick as a as a junior and we're pretty impressed with her as well too
1: what do you what do you look for in the recruiting process i mean obviously fast times are going to be nice but but there has to be more given that these are young athletes and you're you're thinking about potential long term so how, how do you balance that
3: yeah there's a lot of things i feel like we take a very unique approach to recruiting um I mean, we've been really proud of it. And that's part of when I got hired here, you know, they asked me how I was going to build a successful program. I said, I'm, I'm going to recruit Creighton kids. Uh, you know, th- I think there's something to be said for that, quote, unquote, a Creighton kid. Um, but kids academically who are really, really strong, specifically in the business and health science field. So, you know, uh, 50% of our team is business, 50% of our team is health science, and then there's one or two kids who might be an art or an education major. Um and, you know, GPA wise, uh, you know, our, our women were the highest GPA in the nation this past year. Men were second, um, you know, so 3.8 somethings for both of those. So those are the things that we first start, you know, a kid might be fast, but if creating academically is going to be a challenge or if they want to be an engineer, you know, this might not be the place to spend you know, on engineering. But then, yeah, he starts to get into, you know, Ryan Hendrickson's a great example. Uh, Ryan only ran like eight track races in his entire high school career maybe it might not even be a total of eight he was a four sport athlete in high school uh, played soccer played basketball played baseball uh, ran track like you know he literally played in a baseball game at the morning of the finals of the 800 at the state track meet you know this spring (laughs) so you look at some of those things, you know, as a kid putting in, you know, are they on the lower end of mileage or, you know, how's their high school programming and, and training been? What those trajectories look like? And it goes, it goes a lot. It goes into it, you know, um, as far as that recruiting process goes, you know, when kids are running super high mileage in high school and they're hitting barely the times you're looking at for a college coach. Like, you know, what, what's left to squeeze out of that, uh, you know, as opposed to a kid who might be super low mileage, but, you know, might, might show a greater opportunity for improvement. Uh, at the same time, you find a kid who's potentially in that sweet spot and you're just uh, really excited about where they are. And I feel like that's where this class lands for us is uh, just a lot of potential, but a lot of just really good kids on, on all all c- accounts. What's your view on Strava? I uh, No. <laughs> My view on Strava is no. Yeah. Um, I think for, for the general running community, it's great. Uh, for high school and college athletes, I think it's terrible um it's uh it's created a a, a culture based to you know it's, it's a social media platform essentially, and it's created uh-huh. an idea of kids chasing miles and it's created this idea of people chasing segment times and the, for for the developing young athlete, it's not it's not the best platform. Um I think if it were not if it didn't turn into this giant contest all the time, if it was just like, hey, you got a job or congratulations or accountability to it. Um, I think that's great, but it's, uh, and I think, you know, if it's an adult runner or something like that, that's pretty cool. But for a developing athlete, I think it's put, unfortunately, too much emphasis on how fast and how far we're running all the time and not enough emphasis on development and recovery.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I think of it almost like how you could talk about Instagram with a younger person absolutely. versus an older person, right? Like, I I love it. I use it all every day. It's my favorite social media app because I I think it can be very uplifting, and I love seeing what my friends are doing, like out there crushing. Um, I cannot imagine how I would have handled it as a 16 year old though. You know, yeah, just like Instagram.
3: The, it's the same thing. So uh we're really fortunate. We don't. We don't. Uh, I'm sure I know I have athletes on it, but uh we uh we use Garmin, uh specifically Garmin clipboard, um, for, for our mon- you know, monitoring our workouts during the season and, and tracking mileage and load and those things, even injuries, uh we're able to do that through Garmin. So uh yeah, we we just tried to try to stay away from it.
1: Well, Coach, um, thanks for joining us on the first podcast of the season. Look forward to following the successes of uh, of Creighton cross-country throughout the year. Uh, congrats on another season being here. Good luck with your anxiousness over the next couple of weeks. Look forward to following everything all year long. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Josh. Appreciate your time. Such a fun conversation there with Chris Gannon. Certainly will not be the last running-related guest that I have on the podcast throughout this school year. Finally, Johnny Torres, fresh off of an incredible run to the College Cup last year where Creighton's season ultimately ended on a Friday night versus Syracuse. He joined Connor Happer to talk about the Creighton soccer program ahead of his third year as head coach. Back here in the 1620 the Jays podcast this week, and it is almost time. Soccer season is upon us, and uh, the Creighton men are coming off of a college cup appearance, and they have an exhibition this Saturday against Northern Illinois for their uh, de facto season opener. Johnny Torres is here. Uh, we grew familiar a lot last year talking uh, sporadically throughout the season, which ended up being pretty good. So, Johnny, I believe that that makes me the good luck charm. How's that sound?
4: <laughs> that's awesome. I like that. Uh,
1: how's how's the offseason coming off of the season that you guys you know finished out with last year? What a fantastic run at the end! A lot of changes, you know, players moving in and out. Like what what's what's the off been like for you?
4: You know, obviously that's that's I think one of the beauties and. Challenge of being a collegiate coach is that, you know, when you get it right and you feel comfortable yeah. about the group, it's about that time for people to leave, leave, right? Whether that's to go off to their own careers or whether that's to go off to play pro, uh, like we had several players do. So, um, you know, you always have to figure out a way to pick up the pieces and, and get started for the next season, right? And so I think we got a good core of uh, players coming back, uh, a lot of whom played summer ball this summer. Um, and so along with some younger, younger guys that are, that are coming into the fold. So, um, you know, we're working hard. We're on day two. We're trying to get everybody on the same page, uh, so we can get off and running and hopefully capitalize on some of the success we had last season and try and bring that into 2023.
1: I was going to say, what, what, what kind of roster when, when you sort of look at it and try to figure out what team, what type of team, what style of team you're going to have this year what do you sort of see first blush initial sort of reaction to, to the team and the roster you you've assembled for this year?
4: You know, in regards to how we want to play, that's no different than how we played last year. And that's, we want to be excited. Uh, We want to be an exciting team to watch. We want to attack at will. Um, We want to defend up higher up the field. Um, So we just want to make it uh, a, a fun environment for our fans and for anybody that's uh, that's watching the matches to to go out and enjoy, uh, hopefully, a group that is excited about attacking and scoring goals. Uh, expectations
1: wise, I mean, there's going to be some when you come off of a, a College Cup appearance. What does that mean? I mean, not only externally for people who are watching and, and looking at Creighton soccer, maybe for the first time or for the first time in a while, but also internally. Like, how do you guys discuss, you know, being that type of program that wants to compete at that level?
4: Yeah, you know, obviously we were delighted that we made it to the Final Four, but but our expectations and our standards stay the same. Um, you know, we definitely didn't feel that last year was a fluke by any means. Um, it was part of our standards. It was part of our expectations. So our expectations don't change. Obviously, there's probably a little bit more of added pressure where people expect you to get there again, um, although it's a very, very challenging uh, feat to, to be able to accomplish, to make it to the uh, – to the final four, but our expectations and standards don't change. That's something that we continue to strive for. And, um, uh, it's, our plan is no different than it was last year.
1: Uh, what kind of schedule did you guys try to put together this year? I mean, we've heard coaches oftentimes talk about, you know, you got a schedule for the, for the team that you have and for what your goals are sort of at the end. What, what kind of schedule did you try to put together for this, this season?
4: Yeah, no, we always obviously try to schedule uh, a tough opponents non-conference. The Big East is already one of the best conferences in the country, so that kind of takes care of itself. But, you know, we'll open up at Stanford, which, uh, you know, they're they're ranked nationally right now. Uh, We'll play Stanford and UC Irvine um, out in California, so it'll be a good start. Uh, But we got other opponents that are also uh, quite tough. Um, Grand Canyon, Tulsa, Denver, I mean, these are all – you know, some pretty stiff competition. And so it only helps us to continue to get better. And, you know, I've always, I've always said, if, if you want to be the best, you got to play some of the best. And so uh, we're always excited when we're able to play against some of these opponents.
1: Johnny Torres is with us, Creighton soccer coach. Uh, so I'm sure you've been paying close attention to, to what Duncan McGuire's doing in Orlando. What what can that mean uh, for 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 your program and and sort of opening up the doors, for what you guys want to be, but I, how much how much joy have you got out of watching that piece of it? Because I mean, it's been a really smooth transition from Creighton to the MLS.
4: Yeah, no, obviously we're we're delighted and uh, really excited and proud of Duncan and and his family for for his for all of his success, uh, both collegiately and now in the pros. Um, you know. It it couldn't happen to a better person and a better family. So, again, uh, truly delighted and and proud to have uh, uh, one of Creighton's own and Omaha's own uh, to do as well as he's doing right now. It's just uh, uh, we're beyond proud of him.
1: Uh, Coach, we'll let you out on this. What do you want to see in these upcoming exhibitions? What do you want to figure out about your team?
4: You know, obviously, we're we're unfortunately um, at a disadvantage in that – Division one soccer doesn't give you too much time to prepare. Basically you got about a week and a half of preseason before you actually play in your first match. So uh, I just want to see guys working for each other uh, and join one another um, and, and, and playing without fear, you know, really trying to make things happen on the attacking side, um, you know, but it'll, we'll, we'll take it week by week since we don't have too much time to prepare.
1: Coach, I appreciate the time as always, man. We'll see you at Morrison soon. Thank you so much. We'll see you around. That's Creighton men's soccer coach Johnny Torres coming off of a college cup season and looking for a little bit more this year in 2023 with a couple different faces in there. Should be a fun year down at Morrison Stadium. They open up exhibition play on Saturday against Northern Illinois. I'm Connor Haber. This this part of the 1620 the Jays podcast for the week. Welcome back, everybody, by the way. We'll send it back to Josh Peterson. Josh. Again, a big thanks to Johnny Torres for joining Connor Happer as well as Chris Gannon for joining me and Kirsten Bernthal-Booth for joining John Bishop and I recently as we've had some great conversations across the board. Again, a reminder, rate, review, and subscribe to the 1620 The Jays podcast. Wherever you do download podcasts, future episodes will be released on Fridays throughout the school year. Rate, review, and subscribe. Share the word of the 1620 The Chase podcast. For John Bishop, for Connor Happer, I'm Josh Peterson. Enjoy your weekend.
4: Terms apply.